Aloha. Welcome to the Mr. G podcast. Today is episode 19. It is Saturday, June 3rd, 2023. It's about 7 or 8 a.m. in Hawaii here, broadcasting you from Honolulu, Hawaii, on the outskirts of Chinatown. And today we're going to be talking about sports riots, what happens after cities win championships, and also imagine communities. The famous sociologist Benedict Anderson came up with the concept of imagined communities. Right now, the NBA Finals are going on. Game two is tomorrow between the Heat at the Nuggets. And the Denver Nuggets, they've been around for almost 50 years. They were in the ABA first. Now they're in the NBA. They actually have never won a championship. Um, so the city of Denver is going to be really excited, really happy. I saw some YouTube videos of people going in and out of the stadium in Denver and everybody's go nuggets, go nuggets. And there's nuggets flags all around the city. And, uh, you know, there's banners and there's planes going in the sky, you know, painting in the clouds, go nuggets, go. And, uh, there's commercials, every other commercials about the nuggets and, and the whole city of Denver has nuggets fever. Is it worth it? Why? I know exactly what it's like. When the San Antonio Spurs won five championships, I was there for each one of them. And it was exciting, and it did give yourself a sense of community unlike anything before, even if you didn't like basketball. The San Antonio Spurs, when they won the five championships, there was not another professional team anywhere near San Antonio or anywhere in South Texas. So having an NBA championship being known worldwide it felt like a really big deal, and it felt like everybody was was a part of it. But that's the thing. That's the mystique. It's imagined. It's imagined communities. The majority of time watching sports is a waste of time. I think about all the years that I watched professional basketball, years and years, 20, 30 years, every single day for maybe five, six months of the year. I would watch at least one basketball game. If the Spurs were playing, they, you know, NBA basketball teams, they play 82 regular season games a year. Uh, teams that go to the playoffs sometimes play as many as 20 games plus in the playoffs if they make it to the finals. So I was watching maybe 100 basketball games a year or more. And if the Spurs weren't playing, then I'd be watching another team play. I, I spent so much of my life. Now uh, with YouTube, you can watch condensed versions of games. You don't have to watch the whole game. You don't have to watch every loose ball. You don't have to watch every traveling call. You can see only the fourth quarter if you'd like. And they make it very convenient uh, to do that. Now, that's their only option, you know, because people aren't going to watch a full basketball game anymore. There's a worldwide ADD disorder going on where everybody has attention deficit disorder. We're all, and that's why TikTok is so successful because scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. It numbs the brain so you don't have to think, give me something else, give me something else, next, next, next. And the algorithms are so powerful, especially on Instagram. I mean, especially on TikTok, the algorithm, it even knows what you're thinking at times. So if you're thinking about baking a pie, the next video, a pie, you know, next, you know. So uh, it's, 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 it's incredible, but it's an imagined community. You know, the people in Denver, they're excited about winning a championship, just like the people in San Antonio when I was there. And there are flags in everybody's yard and people are being nicer. And if they do win the championship, people are going to be driving around and honking their horns. But there's also a darker, sinister side to it. When sports teams in the United States, like the Detroit Pistons or the Chicago Bulls, five out of the six Chicago Bulls championships, there was hardcore rioting and hardcore looting all around Chicago. 
And in Detroit, when Detroit, the bad boys won their championship. Oh, there were some bad boys in Detroit, too. Nine people died in 1990, if I'm not mistaken. And there were many rapes as well all across uh, Detroit. I, I guess that word. There were many SAs all across Detroit. So. OK, there's 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 Lucky wanting to join the podcast. Lucky, come on. Right. My sweet lucky girl. Oh, I'm lucky. Even now, lucky. So, uh, you know, there's imagined communities watching sports. I spent years watching sports. And if I could go talk to my younger self, I would say, spend that time reading, spend that time learning. Don't watch basketball every day. And now, even with the NBA finals and game seven of the Eastern Conference finals, I actually just listened to the games and uh, I'm doing some home repair. So I did the, the home repair while listening to the games because you don't want to spend two and a half hours watching every game. And why do people do that? People that don't even like sports do that because it's an imagined community. You look at the Super Bowl. So many people watch the Super Bowl, millions of people, and they don't even, a lot of them don't even like football. And what's their excuse? Oh, I just watch for the commercials. Well, now you can watch the commercials on YouTube ahead of time. And it's not just for the commercials. That was your excuse. It's the imagined community. Everybody just about wants to be part of a community, part of a tribe. Uh, you know, it's 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 your identity. When teenagers are growing up, the most important thing is their identity, the music that they listen to, the clothes that they wear. Having an identity is more important than anything else to a young person. And as an adult, you kind of settle into your identity, but that tribalism doesn't go away. And you look at all of the um, soccer fans across the world and all the people that have uh, passed with rioting and, uh, you know, um, just being collapsed on. And uh, there's there's just been sports riots everywhere. And what's it for? Why do people feel the need to be part of a community? I, I learned about this at the University of Texas in my sociology classes. And it was one thing that really stuck. And I see it in, in regular life, everyday life so much. It really... Um, uh, hits a chord with me because I've never felt part of a community and sometimes not even part of the human race. So I can really look at the inside of the house from the outside when the people on the inside of the house don't know what it looks like from the outside. And um, it really gives me a good perspective. But from Wikipedia, it says, an imagined community is a concept developed by Benedict Anderson in his 1983 book, Imagined Communities to Analyze Nationalism. So this can also be applied to uh, political affiliations as well. You know, people want to be part of a, of a party, of a group or a movement. Imagine communities. Anderson depicts a nation as a socially constructed community imagined by the people who perceive themselves as part of a group. Anderson focuses on the way media creates imagined communities, especially the power of print media and shaping an individual's social psyche. Anderson analyzes the written word, a tool used by media in shaping an individual's social psyche. <clears throat> Anderson analyzes the written word, a tool used by churches, authors, and media companies, notably books, newspapers, and magazines, as well as governmental tools such as the map, the census, and the museum. These tools were all built to target and define a mass audience to the public sphere through dominant images, ideologies, and language. Anderson explains the racist and colonial origins of these practices 
before explaining a general theory that explains how contemporary governments and corporations can, and frequently do, utilize these same practices. These theories were not originally applied to the internet or television. So the, Benedict Anderson wrote his famous book, Imagine Communities, um, in 1983. It was before the internet, and it doesn't uh, take into account internet or television. Origin. According to Anderson, the creation of imagined communities has become popular because of print capitalism. Capitalist entrepreneurs printed their books and media in the vernacular instead of exclusive script languages such as Latin in order to maximize circulation. As a result, readers speaking various local dialects became able to understand each other and in common discourse emerged. Anderson argued that the first European nation states were thus formed around their national print languages <clears throat> so uh imagine communities they can be political organizations they can be sports teams they can be if you're a fan of a certain tv show uh so they can be a facebook group there's there's numerous imagine communities and like i said personally i've always considered myself an outcast a black sheep i've never been a part of any community so I have a different perspective on this and why anybody would be want to be part of a community. Mm. But like I said, there's uh, numerous uh, riots that have happened um, across the United States and across the world. People have lost their lives at sporting events. And a sports riot is something that occurs during or after sporting events. Sports riots occur worldwide. Most riots are known to occur after the event is done, but some have done during the game, uh, sometimes hooliganism. While football, soccer is one of the most well-known triggers for riots, other sports have triggered riots, include ice hockey and motorcycle racing. There are a number of factors believed to influence whether riots occur, including cultural factors, environmental factors, temperature, darkness, noise, and witnessing player violence. So one of the uh, first riots was the uh, 1909 Scottish Cup final, uh, where there was almost 100 injuries. But we're going to talk about more recent riots. Uh, so if you look at these, the, I was researching sports riots. They go back all the way to the early 1900s, as, as long as uh, they've uh, been recorded. So here we have on June 4th, 1974. So today's June 3rd. This was almost 50 years ago to the day. Um, Ten Cent Beer Night was a promotion held by Major League Baseball's Cleveland Indians during a game against the Texas Rangers at Cleveland Stadium on Tuesday, June 4th, 1974. The idea behind the promotion was to attract more fans to the game by offering 12 U.S. fluid ounces cups of beer for just 10 cents each. All hell broke loose. With a limit of six beers per purchase, during the game, fans became heavenly intoxicated and it culminated into a riot in the ninth inning. All right, that sounds interesting. Everybody here's heard of Ten Cent Beer Night. How many beers would you drink with their Ten Cent beers? Personally, I don't drink beer. Okay. So I started drinking coffee again. It's taken me literally decades to become a coffee drinker. What finally did it was when watching Graham Hancock on the Joe Rogan show and Joe Rogan was like, do you drink coffee? And then Graham Hancock was like, oh, it's 
he's that English guy always always talks about the pyramids. He's like, and uh, he's like, oh, I've I've always wanted to be a coffee drinker, but I've could have never gotten the taste. But I've I've always loved the the culture of of coffee and the ritual of coffee. And I was like, oh, ritual of coffee. Yeah. I like rituals. Ooh. Another famous riot that happened in sports was July 12th, 1979, a couple months before I was born. It's called Disco Demolition Night. Disco Demolition Night was an ill-fated baseball promotion that took place on July 12th, 1979 at Kaminsky Park in Chicago. At the climax of the event, a crate filled with disco records was blown up on the field between games of the Twi-Night doubleheader between the Chicago White Sox and the Detroit Tigers. Many of those in attendance had come to see the explosion rather than the games and rushed onto the field after the detonation. The playing field was damaged both by the explosion and by the rowdy fans to the point where the White Sox were required to forfeit the second game of the doubleheader. All right. Now, uh, just to, we'll go over a couple more. The 1984 Detroit World Series. After Detroit World Series victory over the San Pedro Padres in 84, riots broke out that led one person killed and 80 injured. There was eight SAs reported. Imagine that. You're like, all right, the Detroit baseball team won. I'm going to go out and, and you know, what the f like, I don't know, when I was younger and I, I'd see riots, I'd be like, oh, I hope the Spurs won and be riots because then you can go loot and everything and everything's free. And then I used to listen to that song, April 24th, 1994. There was riot, if I sublime riots on the street, tell me where were you? You were at home watching your TV while I was out participating, playing in the anarchy. First stop we hit, it was a liquor store. We finally got all that alcohol we can't afford. Then we, next stop we hit was the music shop. It only took one brick to make that window drop. Finally got our own PA. Where do you think I got this mic that you're hearing today? But uh, and I, somewhere down the line, I changed sides. And now I'm like, get off my yard. Stealing is wrong. What are you doing? Don't take that stuff. You know, but it does, you know, upset me. And you, there are two sides. There's no gray line. You're either a person that takes things from stores openly and willing to do that. Or you're somebody that does the right thing and is not willing to do that. So I am proud that I fall into the latter. So in 1984-1986, after two college football games, Kansas State and Kansas, a group of 6,000 Kansas State fans, after a 27-7 victory, crowded into a bar, became rowdy, and started to riot. Two years later, Kansas State University once again defeated Kansas, and another group of 6,000 fans created a riot again, wearing shirts calling Riotville. So that sounds like a fun riot. You know, they're like, everybody get your Riotville shirts. But other riots, I mentioned the 1990 Detroit riots from the Detroit Pistons bad boys. Uh, widespread rioting occurred in Detroit at the Detroit Pistons when the 1998 NBA Finals and eight people were uh, ended. The Chicago Bulls had riots in uh, 91 to the 97. After every one of their championships, except the 98 championship, they finally got that covered up. And in Canada, we have Montreal in 1993, Vancouver in 1994 riots in both of those um it's it's insane uh people losing their lives people being essayed uh you know businesses being uh, torn apart for what uh you know we everybody knows what happened in 2020 and it was horrible and uh in in major cities across the united states and i remember one video that sticks in my head of a store owner in dallas 
that was just trying to protect his store and a group of people just came up and beat him to the point that he was uh, uh, crippled and, and disabled in the street, just like crunched up, you know, paralyzed. And uh, they finally stopped beating him and he ended up dying in the hospital. And all he was doing was trying to protect his business. How many people are going to want to open up businesses after seeing that video just once? And the mainstream media can do whatever they want, but they can't hide every video. They can't suppress all the information forever. And, you know, they, that's why TikTok is so important, because I've never seen uh, somewhere where you can actually get uh, real news, real credible firsthand account news sources. All right, a couple more riots. In 2010, the Los Angeles Lakers won the championship. Kobe Bryant and the Lakers and Paul Gasol defeated the Boston Celtics in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. And there was a riot in Los Angeles. All right. Um, recently, uh, most recently, I, I we have Super Bowl in 2018, uh, World Series in 2014. And we had uh, the San Francisco Giants defeated. Uh, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, here's a riot in Egypt, uh, Port Sayad Stadium disaster, February 1st, 2012. In Port Sayad, Egypt, 79 people were killed at Al Masar Club fans used knives, swords, clubs, stones, bottles, and fireworks as weapons who were attacking the Al Halai SC players. So these opponent talk about home field advantage, right? <laughs> hey, our fans are so fucking badass, they'll kill you. <laughs> our fans have knives and swords. So yeah, come come play a game in our arena. Like what the hell, dude? They're they're attacking the opposing players as a, they, they were armed with knives, swords, clubs, stone bottles and fireworks. Imagine that. Where is their mentality? Stop the group mentality. It is You want to think on your own and you want to be a lone wolf in this world. And the most successful people are the ones that don't follow the group and go in the crowd. Those are the Darwin Award winners. 79 people passed away. Like, what are these two soccer fans are just fighting with each other? Oh, you like this team? No, I like this team. We fight to death. You know, like, no, I'm out. I, I got other things to do. I want to travel the world. I want to, you know, be on the south of France. I'm going to go to the Mediterranean. I want to live to be a hundred. So, like, I don't really, you know, care about the soccer. Like, I, it doesn't have any prevalence on my own life. Um, that team could win, or this team could win. It's not that big of a deal. I'm not going to die or kill over it. Uh, got better things to do. Apparently, I have more to lose than you guys, huh? We're fine. Like, just like some of the people that live around here, like, I'm not going to roll around and fight with you, bro. I uh, got a little bit more to lose than you. You know, I got, I'm thinking long term, you know, 40 chess here. Okay. Not going to roll around with a sweaty old guy. It's not going to do it. I got other shit to do. I mean, sorry. That's why I got the pepper spray. It's like, oh, sh nope, not wrestling around with an old man, not doing it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, people dedicate. Uh, so much to their sports teams and like i said unless you have a lot of money on the game unless you have some sort of work in the game i've known some of the players i can watch nba games and be like oh there's that guy that walked by me that day or there's that guy that i played uh uh video games against like i really can watch nba clips and i've been around basketball and basketball players so long but 
still, it still has no prevalence in my own life. If you're cheering for your, maybe your college team that you graduated from, like I cheer for the university of Texas and I'm proud of being a graduate from the university of Texas journalism school. So if they do well in football or if they do well in basketball, if they do well in anything, uh, it's looks good on me too. And it looks good on every university of Texas graduate. Uh, it's known as a public Ivy league school. So it's an Ivy league education, but it's a public school. That's also something I'm really proud of. So when they do well, like I said, you maybe have some sort of investment in the game if you graduated from that school. But if you're just cheering because that's your team for some reason, because you've always cheered for them, you know, are you willing to give your life? Because a lot of people have lost their lives, including in the United States. You know, I, you got to see what's going to happen. You know, Denver is a relatively calm city. So, but I hope nobody loses their life over the Nuggets winning the championship. If Miami wins the championship, there probably will be riots in South Beach. I don't know. Uh, so it's not something that you really uh, want to dedicate your whole life to, literally and figuratively. Sports are just sports. I like soccer and I like basketball because of the storylines that go with it. And if you listen to this podcast, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you can see how I make this relatable to everybody. Uh, and I'll, I'll be the first one to say that you don't want to watch sports. Sports is wa watching is a waste of time. With that being said, I'm producing a sports somewhat <laughs> a podcast. You know, this is, you know, I've been talking about basketball and the majority of these episodes. This is episode 19. However, this is not really a basketball podcast. It's because this is early June and early June is the NBA finals. And I am a basketball fan. So that's something that's going on in my life right now is watching basketball. And it's really interesting to me. And even if you do not like basketball, I can explain it to you to make it interesting to you as well, because uh, there's so many underlying storylines. That's why I love the World Cup. Because it's each country representing uh, their their own country, and there's so many different storylines that have nothing to do with sports, but uh, sports and basketball and the World Cup. As far as the World Cup is just the and, and the NCAA tournament as well. That's just the uh, outlier for outliner for many different uh, stories and interesting things to learn. All right. With that being said, uh, I'm going to read the monologue that I wrote today. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice, the Mr. G podcast is available uh, wherever you get your podcast. Apple podcast is the best place to get the Mr. G podcast. So if you use Apple, just go to Apple podcast, type in Mr. G podcast. But the Mr. G podcast is also available on Spotify podcasts, iHeartRadio podcasts, Amazon podcasts, Google podcasts, and full episodes of the Mr. G podcast are immediately uploaded onto Twitter and YouTube. So you can see and hear the full episodes right there on Twitter and YouTube. Twitter uh, slash Gregory Brandt and YouTube.com slash Mr. G Live. Just Google Mr. G Podcast Gregory Brandt and that should come up right away. All right. Uh, thank you all for all the new listeners here. And I'm going to end today uh, with reading my monologue about uh, feeding the street cats. Saturday, June 3rd, 2023. There was a large amount of street cats to feed today. I've been going down there earlier than I usually do in an attempt to beat the neighbor down who has been possibly scaring and, and scaring them. Uh, I wanted to beat him down there. Today I arrived at the same time and the cats felt protected. The new orange tom kitten, who I named Joey, let me pet him for the first time today. The little general, the pretty calico with the fluffy tail, 
showed him how pets are good and how he should like them. I brought tuna to go with my pate today because I'm running very low on canned food again. And I made sure the kitten, little Joey, got to try out his first little tuna. He had his had a whole can, and I made sure that it had chunks and along with a bunch of tuna water in it. The little guy had his head stuck in that can for 20 minutes straight. I also brought a large can of mackerel, which the cats love. The mackerel was about, has about 12 ounces of juice slash water, so I don't ever want to waste that. You can always make sure to have a bowl. You always want to make sure to have a bowl to drain the mackerel juice into. Today, the little general drank a bunch of mackerel juice and also a bunch of turkey juice because I brought a can of turkey as well. Many feeders don't provide water, so the street cats have learned to drink water wherever they can find it. They drink water from rain puddles, and during the dry season, they actually lick the condensation off the windshields of parked cars. I've seen them do it. That's why there are so many street cats living at car dealerships. I fed some cats at a car dealership earlier today after I fed my regular colony. Then, as I was heading to the market for some raw fish and coffee, I saw two new cats they ran by me in my walking path, wanting to be noticed, before going to their hiding spots and staring out. Someone actually left three cans of cat food for me today when I was walking to the store. It might have been the uh, nice homeless guy that I've been buying cat food from, Manny. This is a tough racket, and the cat feeding business, especially if you don't have a steady source of income, uh, my particular colony in this particular neighborhood is not for the weak. It's heavy on the heart, and you have to be strong physically, mentally, and emotionally. These street cats go through a lot. They have very hard lives, and you see that closely as a colony caretaker. However, at the same time, you see how your presence and your good deeds is a beacon of hope and a glimmer of light in an otherwise bleak reality for these little guys. Everyone needs something to look forward to, even a dirty street cat. My name is Gregory Brandt, a.k.a. Mr. G. Everybody have a wonderful day, and I'll see you tomorrow. Aloha from me and the kitties.